0: Arnold Schwarzenegger once said, In our society, the women who break down barriers are those who ignore limits. That's exactly what Maria Belong did. Maria started working out to get in shape, but soon found herself on the stage, competing against women half her age. This mother of four would go on to capture one of bodybuilding's top honors, earning her IFBB pro card in the ultra-competitive bikini division. Maria's accomplishments are not just a source of pride for her family, but also, for her people, the Lahu. The Lahu are an ethnic group that lives in southern China in the Golden Triangle area of Laos, Thailand, and Myanmar. Maria was among a small group of Lahu from Laos who settled in America as refugees after the secret war and shows us that limits are only in our minds.
1: All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of C4 Podcast Southeast Asian Athlete Achievement Through Adversity. My name is Coach Hendetka. Uh, we also run the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame page. So if, in, if you haven't already, please like, share, follow, and uh, you know, just give the page some support. Again, the Hall of Fame page was to create awareness. Of, of the achievements of, of athletes that are from the uh, Lao region. And we took on this podcast to expand the region more to Southeast Asia. And this time around it's more not to celebrate the achievements, but to really to share the stories, the adversity behind it. Right? I think everybody uh, from the region has an interest, <laughs> interesting story. So without further ado, I will introduce my co-host John Messina who will introduce our guest.
0: Hello everybody and Maria welcome. We are really excited to talk to you today. Um, A couple things make your story interesting to us. Not only are you an IFBB pro bodybuilder which is exciting to hear about your journey there but you know Ko was born in Laos. My wife was born in Laos. They're Lao. They have enough time explaining to people where Laos is and what the Lao people are I could only imagine being Lahu, trying to explain to somebody uh, you know, that ethnicity, um, because I think a lot of people who are actually of, of Lao descent or Hmong descent don't even know who the Lahu people are. So we're excited to have you on because part of what this podcast is doing is, like Ko said, telling stories, right? And it just has such a diverse region, and we're interviewing a lot of athletes with just really cool stories. So thank you for joining us. So before we get into who you are, if you wouldn't mind maybe telling the listeners a little bit about who are the Lahu people.
2: So Lahu is uh, considered one of 56 ethnic um, groups officially recognized by the uh, People's Republic of China. And so we're a very small group, but, um, you know, we do have Lahu people in Laos, in Thailand, in Burma. So they've all, and Vietnam as well, from what I've uh, read um and so we're we're a very small sub you know minority group and there's not a whole lot of us here in the united states um you know i started out in rochester minnesota and there are some families there that my father had um sponsored um back in the 80s we also have a huge group in visalia california near fresno and we also have a small ethnic group um community in uh, north carolina so you know, they're, they're kind of dispersed everywhere, but, you know, we're just very small compared to the Hmong or the Mian people that, you know, most most people know.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I grew up outside of Sacramento, and, you know, what we're finding with this, that region of the Central Valley has a lot of the Lao ethnic groups like Lahu, Mian, yes. Hmong. And, Co. And, right, you here growing up in Elgin, uh, haven't heard of many of the, the ethnicities, right, like that. Um, well, growing up in Elgin,
1: no one had heard a <laughs> You know, so <laughs> when we first came here, yeah. So, and I, I was here in 1975. Maria, when did you guys come over?
2: 1981. 81. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was only about four years old when we came here.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> you no, know, I, I I was four in 75, so I'm yeah. like a little bit a little bit older. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure you probably went through the same like having to adapt right away. Like I barely knew Laos, barely knew Laotian, right? And, and in fact, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't read or write because I had to switch over to English, you know, next year I had to go into kindergarten.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's and that's where uh, I felt the same way because, you know, immediately when we came to the United States, we were pushed into ESL as second language um, and growing up in such a, a very conservative, all white town. Um, we just had to do what was, you know, what was required and, and just assimilating the country at a very young age and attending an all parochial private school. It, you know, it was a very uh, big eye opener.
1: Yes. Yeah. Same here. I, I, uh, our sponsors were Lutheran. And so here I am four years old, I'm um, getting the hang of, of speaking and, and listening to Laos around my family mm-hmm. and and knowing Buddhism, right? And then now I'm learning English and I'm learning about Jesus. Right. You know, so it was, it was kind of like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I got very confused, you know, in, in a way uh, at the early ages.
2: Right. And I'm sure I'm sure you spoke a lot of English at home too, and not really speaking the language. Um, and that's where I lost a lot of my own native tongue because of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Same thing here. Yeah. And are you, are, you, are, are you, how big is your family? Where, where do you fit in in your? Uh...
2: So, my father was uh, married prior to um, my mother, his first wife, he had five children. And so, three out of the five um, passed away. And so he had two daughters and as a single father, he put, um, my, my other sister that I've known since I was little into a boarding school in Thailand, then he gave the other daughter up for an adoption. So I've never met that other half sister at all. And we don't know if she's still alive or not. Um, but, um, after he met my mother, he'd had four children with my mother. And so I'm the second oldest on My mother's side, so um, I have three other siblings that are biological, and then, like I said, I have one that's um, a half sister, but I've always considered her as a sister, sure, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, and, but, and yeah, so I'm guessing there were very few Lahu people in Rochester, there's a lot in the central valley of California, but what was it like, and were there other ethnicities from Laos there at least to kind of? Related. We
2: were the, yeah, we were the first Lahu people in Rochester in 1981. Um, but like I said, there was a lot of Lao um, um community there. So my parents spoke Lao and they were able to, you know, make lots of friends within the community. Um, but uh, growing up, of course, I was kind of pulled into making, you know, more American friends. And, and that's who I hung out with a lot growing up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So your teenage years, tell us a little bit about those. Were you into sports? What did you kind of do in high school?
2: I was very athletic. I played, um, volleyball. I was on a traveling team, basketball traveling team from grades fifth to eighth, um, got to high school and I, you know, did a lot of other athletic stuff, but I also was interested in cheerleading. So I did that in in high school. Um, so I was very, very athletic, still growing up, um, and then um, after high school, of course, you know, I, I I don't know if we want to delve into this now, but I, I did get married pretty young and, uh, you know, moved away from Rochester. So
1: my, my question, and we can get we can get back to that I still wanted to go back a little bit and tell me your first experience with seeing snow, because I freaked out. Well, <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> I had never seen it.
2: I don't have very much recollection of that time, but I remember just being very cold and we have pictures of of our family, you know, in the dead winter of February of 1981 when we came in uh, to the States. And so I have very small recollection, but I just remember, you know, it's just very, very weird. Um, I mean, we enjoyed it as being children, but as we've gotten older, not so much. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah, we're in, John and I are in Chicago, and, and we yeah. get cold, but I know you guys up north in, in Minnesota really.
2: Yes, yes, it was amount. bad, yeah.
1: Did you, as a child growing up, because I experienced this, but did you have a hard time identifying with, with who you are? You said you had a lot of, like, American friends, right, yeah. and like, yeah. I mean, did you did you yourself feel it? Did you get pressure from other kids? Like, like you know, you don't, you know, you're not one of us and, and th- that type of uh, response. I think I lost
2: a lot of my identity because I was so, um, you know, I was in a parochial school and you knew that these, these kids grew up in a very well, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? You know, they were in their, their parents were doctors were, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, nurses and stuff like that there. So I knew growing up, I didn't have very much compared to them. And I really, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, the difference between not having anything versus going to a friend's house and they have everything. And, um, yeah, I, I lost a lot of my identity. I think I, I wanted to fit in very, very badly as a child. And so I think that's where, um, Subconsciously, I didn't really think about it then. But now when I think about it, I lost my own ethnic identity because I wanted to fit in so bad, you know, growing up. And uh, so you don't really think about all that as a child, but no, you think no, you don't. You, you don't. And when once you start being a parent, of course, that that totally changes your perspective of, of how you want to raise your children as well. But growing up in this country, it's hard. It is very hard to keep your ethnic identity alive it really is U- unless you have such a big community which I didn't at that time um, it was it was very difficult for me
1: in, in your community there was you, you were the only Lago family but there were Laotians or Lao Tin, you said in there mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. so did yeah. you did you get along with with kids your age or did you play with with those kids very much or speak to?
2: We did I mean we we had picnics, you know, family functions and picnics on the weekends, and uh, got to see them, but majority of the time I was with you know a lot of my American friends, Caucasian friends from okay. school. yeah,
0: gotcha so oh good, well, so Maria, you were fairly athletic, um, did a lot of sports, but tell us how you how you ended up getting into bodybuilding
2: um so this is the thing I was. I had four children you know I've I've got four children and the last one I had was in 2006 and we had just moved to, to Florida we had no one here and of course you know you we get involved with our children's activities and you kind of put yourself in the back burner and um, not until the kids were a little bit older um, and it wasn't until the fall of 2015 and my husband has always been, you know, very fit and he was going to the gym and he'd always asked me to go, but I was always tired because I was always working. And, um, finally fall of 2015, I said, you know what, I, I just got to get my butt out of this sofa or out of this bed and, and, um, do something. And I made up my mind thinking that I want to get in the best shape of my life. And of course I was able to bounce back every, after every kid, but I wanted to be in the best physical, you know, fitness um that I could be. And so I didn't know how to do it. I wasn't really prepared on on how to do it. But I had a brother um whose friend was also into bodybuilding. And he was up in Minnesota and I reached out to him and he kind of helped me in the beginning. But I felt like I didn't have that one on one, you know, interaction on a daily basis. And so I didn't feel like I was getting much guidance. And I started to do some little bit of research into bodybuilding here in Jacksonville, Florida, and I found a team and that's how I got into it and just kind of, um, went full throttle with it
1: after my first show. When was, what was your first show? What year? How did you place and where was it?
2: So I did 2016 Dexter Jackson here in Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He
2: he had his own he has his own uh, annual show here. And um I placed first in my uh category of 35 and older. And okay, wow. and then I placed fourth in open B with, you know, girls that were half my age. And after that first I was only gonna do one show. It was just kind of one of those bucket list thing. I was gonna be like, I did it, I'm good. And then after that I was kind of like very very uh excited and i just really fell in love with it and i and i told my husband i said i'm i'm going to get to the top and he said okay and i never thought that i could ever get to you know to being an IBB Pro at my age but i was willing to sacrifice a lot and i was able to do that because of you know um, my partner who is very supportive in and everything i do and my children are very supportive so
1: so how, how many shows? I did the 2016 Dexter Jackson Classic, but it was in Memphis. Oh,
2: okay, and that, yeah. And
1: that was actually it was a pro am, and at that time I I did I did pro. Uh, that was my first. That was my pro debut. I turned pro in 2014. So, awesome. but yeah, I guess Dexter. I, yeah, I know he's from Jacksonville, but yeah. for he got he had yeah, created another show in uh in Memphis. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard about that one too. So, yeah.
1: So what show was it that you turned pro? Like I used, like after your first show, you were like, I can do this. I can be, I can be one of the, one of the top.
2: Yeah. Right. I actually, right after I did Dexter, I, um, I went to Pensacola. There was one in Pensacola, which I placed, um, second in open. So that kind mm-hmm. of gave me an opportunity to do any type of national, national shows. Yeah. And so, um, then I did a, and I didn't go right into nationals for sure, because I knew for sure that I needed to really work on myself and get back on state, you know, before I get back on stage. But I also did another one down in um, Fort Lauderdale um, during that fall. And then that was kind of my, okay, let me see how I place in this one too. And the girls down in Miami area are just unbelievable. I mean, these Latin girls have, you know, just beautiful physique and, They were at the next level and I thought I wouldn't even place, but I got fifth place in open. So from there, I took probably about seven, eight months to just build and get back into the gym. And then I did my first national up in um, Pittsburgh and it was the end of August. It was um,
1: the North Americans,
2: North Americans. And I placed, yeah. And I placed fourth in my first show. Wow. Okay. And so I was very eager again, but I decided to let me try the Miami one in November. And of course that was totally stacked over 50 girls and mm-hmm. half my age <laughs> were competing. And, um, I didn't even place for that one, but I just knew just getting to that show, let me get some experience, some more experience on, on stage. And then I took some time off and I didn't go back until masters nationals in July of 2018. And that's when I placed first. Awesome! Oh awesome. so, yeah. I
1: yeah. I, won, I won. We have a lot of similarities because <laughs> I, I won <laughs> I won my pro card at 2014 Masters Nationals, winning yeah. my class and the overall. So that's that's interesting. That's really and, cool. And,
2: and that was kind of like where I was putting so much time and effort in the last you know three and a half four years, and my husband's like you know. If this doesn't happen, I don't know if we should still continue. And I just really, you know, buckled down and I said, I really want this. And I'm just so glad I was able to, to achieve that.
1: Sometimes training, like it's your very last show, is what brings out the best in you.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. This
1: is it. This is my only shot. Right. Because so, so, in 2014, I was getting up there to like, I was like a 43, 44. So I was like, how many more years do I got? And I better make
2: yeah. this so, Yeah. Yeah. But it's, a, it's, it's a great achievement, though. Oh, no everybody yeah, really. yeah.
1: Very. Like, I I had assumed I, was, I, mean, I assumed you were Laotian La- La- or Thai. Okay, so I didn't, you know, because there there are a few other there are a couple other uh, IFB bikini uh, females. Uh, one is Mel Chant Chantithan, Sang, mm-hmm. but she is yep. from Canada. Yeah. Then Noy Alexander, and and I think isn't she from Miami she's, as well? She's or in Miami. A-
2: yep. Yeah. Okay. And I met her at that one show that I did in Miami. She was, of course, a pro at that time. And I she got first place that night and was able to go to Mr. Olympia again. Olympia. That, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Do you get yeah. now? You guys have a good rapport amongst each other? You guys stay in touch or
2: um, you know, she hasn't been competing for a while. She's kind of just doing, you know, staying in shape, doing her Instagram thing, and and I really Still look up to her. I still look. I've never met Mel yet, but I know, like you said, she's from Canada. Um, I've met other ladies, you know, like uh, there's a Vietnamese girl in Texas. Um, I met her, and you know, other. I guess there. There's a couple girls that I've met through. Um, there's a Filipina lady that I met through North Carolina. She's also an IFBB pro. Yeah. Um, so. Different ethnic backgrounds, you know. It's 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 been a pleasure meeting all these, you know, women from different parts of the world too. Yeah, it, it's amazing to hear.
1: You know, it's twenty twenty two, and and to hear yeah. so many accomplished IP Pro women that are from Asia, Southeast Asia. Because when I started bodybuilding in nineteen ninety, or when I even started working out in the eighties, yeah, it was frowned upon by. You know, my parents didn't believe in me because, like, there was no role model for me. You know, I was kind yeah. of like, nobody's done it. So how, how do you think you're going to do it? And even, like, and it, it's funny, like, like, Asian women or Lao women weren't interested in me because at that time in the 80s, they're just like, you're just disgusting. You're gross because <laughs> of the models and all that. And now to see you guys, like, wow, you know, you know, turning professional, and annoying, like competing in Olympia. That, that's really, yeah. that's really showing how far. Yeah.
2: You know, she's you know, probably done the best out of all the Southeast Asian ladies that I've known so far. I, I mean she stayed up like, there.
1: Yeah, I think she's a three-time Olympian. Yeah. Yeah. I met her, I did my first and only Olympia again in 2016, and we, we actually we met there. Yeah. So yeah, she was That's very cool. nice. And I got I a mean, picture taken with her, but it was like from some photographer that um, like never never gave us the pictures. So. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I, you know, I I find it so interesting to meet so many people during these competitions, even though you're competing with so many, you want to meet as many people as you can, because, you know, it is good, good to make, to have that female camaraderie as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so I love that. I love that.
0: Awesome. Now, Maria, this couldn't have come easy. Not, not only because your age, but just being a mom. Um, I'm assuming, you know, you guys have to pay the bills, right? There's a lot going on here. What were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome really the biggest challenges?
2: Well, you know, I think the biggest challenge for me was probably, you know, doubting in my, the back of my mind that I can get to the top, even though I was very determined. I thought, you know, like the, the last show that I did for the national, I thought that probably would be my last. And I, I could probably still be happy if, even if I didn't get my pro card and it, cause I put, you know, all my, all into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard when you do have to balance this, this selfish sport because it is very selfish. Mm-hmm. You have, you're putting yourself first every day and, um, I guess for me, I'm, I'm glad I did it when I was a little bit older, just because of my children. Um, if they were younger, I don't think I, I would have been this successful or to get to where I need to be yeah. if they were younger. So I had to put my mom mode on first before I did anything. And my husband of course has been my number one supporter. And I don't think I would have done this without him as well. Cause he basically took care of majority of the stuff that that needed to be done you know with with the kids and and all that so
1: what about the obstacle of uh, you know our culture is so big on on food like comfort food right how was it for you when you first started dieting and knowing you had to give up like sticky rice or you know this or some of this some of that and how was that for you
2: So here's the thing I got off of social media for six months. <laughs> I didn't go out to any of my friends' weekend parties because I uh-huh. said, you know what, I'm doing this. I can't. I'm not going to sabotage myself. Yeah. And so along the way, I guess one of my obstacles or, you know, things that that did come up with was I lost a good amount of friends who I thought were friends. Okay. And okay. so that is one of the things that you you do find out who are your true friends and who aren't because um, I did have to kind of, you know, put my distance away and, 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 those that didn't understand, well, they kind of, you know, left my life.
1: Yeah. So, well, you know, you're saying you're, you're saying that it's very selfish. It's very lonely sometimes Yeah. and it's difficult and you need as much positives as possible. Right. And there's yeah. just some people and they could be family members, but they could be negative. And it's yeah. just like, Takes away. It's it's tiring enough, right? To train, right. to diet, and then like just to, you know, listen to someone's energy about you know this sucks or it's like you know I'd I'd had a i would i had ai had a guy like the same shit different day. It's like God every time I ask him how he's doing, right? Same <laughs> shit different day. It's like, on, a- so I I get it I get it. You had to back off because you had to focus on you. Yeah, and,
2: and you know you had, I had, had, to, had to surround on- yourself
1: with positives
2: in that time, my parents weren't living with me. And so I didn't have to explain to them what Uh, I was doing. They were out in California. So they heard through the grapevine that I was doing this. And, uh, you know, everybody was the Lahu community in, in California, um, were very ecstatic that I got to where I am. And, and even though I don't know the entire Lahu community there, they knew my parents because my parents are pretty well known in the community. And they just thought that it was just great that, you know, I was able to represent that's our, uh, yeah. But yeah, that um, I think if I had other major, you know, things that were going to kind of um, be conflictive of what I was doing, I don't think I would probably have gone, you know, as far as I probably would have. Because like you said, there is a lot of negativity and people just don't understand. And they'd be like, well, why is she doing that? What mm-hmm. is she trying to prove? You know, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's incredible. So, well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Are you still competing? Um, what's going on in your life now, Maria?
2: So I have been renovating a house since March. Oh. And <laughs> that has been consuming a lot of my time since March. Um, We've we demoed two bathrooms, we redid the entire kitchen, and we just got our vent the other day. So my husband and, and his friends are in the kitchen putting up the sixty-inch vent that we have. So it's been it's been a a, a journey with this house, but it's helped us, um, you know, just be t- together in this and just trying to get things done. But uh, the last two years have been probably the most difficult, just because of my parents both being ill and then having to, um, take on my sister and my younger brother. Cause they both got divorced. And so, um, they came down here. So I, so I took on my entire family the last two years and wow. the last, yeah, the last time I, I actually uh, competed was September of 2019. And then December of 2019 is when my husband and I decided we're going to go to Asia. We went to, um, southeast asia for a good month and that was our first both of our first time going back there and so i didn't want anything to to get in the way so i you know we just went there and ate whatever we wanted while we were
1: there (laughs) so you said you competed 2019 september so you did you did a pro pro show
2: i did three in september uh, i mean three in 2019 yeah the first one was the clash um out up in aiken um and then I did another one in North Carolina. I can't remember what, what city it was. Um, it was further up North Carolina. And then the last one was the Tampa pro in September of 2019.
1: Oh, that was nice and close for you. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I didn't really go too far. I was able to, to stick around Florida area. Um, but that was the last time. And I kind of needed a break after that, after being just, doing what i was doing for a good three and a half years straight
1: yeah yeah yeah. because you started in 2016 and wow -hmm. halfway through 2019 yeah where did you guys where did you guys go uh in southeast asia did you guys go back to laos thailand
2: we did we went to uh shanghai first in china and then went to bangkok um thailand from there we went to chiang mai from chiang mai we went to uh laos um it was right on the border of uh, Vientiane. We went to Vientiane. Um, and then we also went to another city uh, at least two, three hours north of, of Vientiane. Yes, yes. Okay. And we went up there for a big music festival. We had a friend that lived there, so he took us around. And then from there, we went to Vietnam. And okay. Was, yeah, so we had we had a really good time. Whole now, I'm, of I'm, this,
1: I'm assuming you were very fit. Did you get a lot of stares from the, 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 you know, the people that live there? And, like, did you get a lot of compliments on your you, physique? You know,
2: my husband always says, because he always, you know, looks around surroundings. I'm more of just looking, and I don't uh, think nothing of it if someone stares at me. My uh-huh. husband's like, everyone was staring at you. And <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I go, maybe it's because I have blonde hair. I don't know. But he goes, he goes, you don't you don't realize when people really are just gawking at you. And I said, no, because yeah. I don't really pay attention. So but yeah, we had a we had a great time.
1: Yeah. It, it's amazing that it's it's almost like contradicting, right? Like I'm I'm the same way. Like I I just focused on me, but it's like we're doing a sport where we're asking to be judged, standing up on stage, you know, against other people. Yeah. But then, like when we're out in public, like when I'm at the gym, I'm just like, I really don't look around. Like I just kind of put on my headphones and I do yeah. my thing.
0: Yeah, I was telling John. I was telling
1: John the other day. It's like I was like, gosh, these people sometimes scare me. Well, like, <laughs> I have like I have insecurities, you know? Like yeah, uh, I like anxiety, and i was just never good you know in in like a big group setting but yeah but then but then i you know asked me to stand on stage in my posing suit and i'm
2: fine with that you're fine with that right yeah Yeah. me too i i I don't know i mean they're like well you're up there half naked (laughs) and they're like well and i'm pretty much i mean i'm not gonna say i'm shy but i think as i've gotten older um i've become more comfortable in -hmm. my own skin and so I really don't care what people say at this point in my life anymore. You're I'm doing me now and um if they if people have other judgments, I really don't care it, uh, to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think yeah, yeah you know younger me I would have been a little bit more insecure, yes.
0: But so so with that Maria, um what advice would you have for people a wanting to get into the sport like bodybuilding, and B, specifically to the Lahu community, if anybody's listening from that community, um, what advice to young people there that just want to pursue a dream of some kind, whether it's a sport or whatever?
2: I think my advice would be, um, you know, be determined, be focused in in whatever you, you know, want to do in life. Um, If they really want to get into bodybuilding, um, you know, I would say find a really good coach, to kind of lead you into this. Um, don't go into it blind. Um, and, you know, just, just be very, very committed and focus because this is not an easy sport. It's not an easy sport and it's very subjective. So you better have some tough skin, you know, to, to get some feedback about how you look. Yeah. when everybody else when everybody else thinks you look perfect that aren't competing you know so and that's what i always get well you're you're already there but i'm like it's you know you may think that i am there but when it comes to being on stage that's totally a different type of of judging
1: and sometimes we can be our own worst critic too yes yes on ourselves
2: yep
0: well, speaking of getting a coach if anybody is interested Gko right Co Ko, Co's new website where he is an online uh, uh, coach so he'll reach anybody all over the country so well,
1: was, it's, it's virtual now
0: yeah yeah
2: well well Co I was going to think about getting another coach to too so I was gonna be uh, reaching out to you if you wanted to to coach me for 2023.
1: Well, that, that was my question too. Like you, you, you're, you would love to get back on stage. One. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. Awesome. I definitely do. I, I want to challenge myself again. And that's where um, that mental break was really good and physical break was very good. And uh, yeah, I, I do need to get myself back and, you know, I've gone to the gym, but I'm not as, as competitive as I was before, but I really do want to get back in there and I know I have some work to do to get, to um to get to where i need to be but um i I think i'm I'm ready
1: yeah with with the sport being so demanding sometimes it does work in waves you know you gotta take some downtime and just mentally clear your head and give your body a break you know i i know this new generation uh they push push hard like, like you know i'm talking like 2000s i'm talking about like I'm talking about bodybuilders and in, in general yeah. that, and you know i don't know if you've been noticing but there's been a lot of deaths in in, in the sport and, and, yeah. and, and they're young and like in their 30s and 40s and i i grew up at a, at a time in the 90s where like you know i'm thankful i lived in the midwest because i took my break uh during the winter, during fall and winter, because I could stay covered. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to, you know, take a break, rest. Uh but I was always taught, yeah, you gotta take a break, you know, um and, and you can't push year rounds. Uh versus someone who lives like let's say in LA or Miami where it's sunny yeah. all the time, they might feel the pressure of always being in shape. Like again, being yeah. in the Midwest was great for me because I could put on a heavy jacket and sweatshirts and like, you know, I don't have to worry about what people like, you know, people are pretty cool. Like when they see you in shape all the time, they expect to be in shape. All exactly. Time. Like, you know, like what happened to you?
2: Right. <laughs> I'm
1: not, I'm not starving myself for like oh my months at a time, you know? So.
2: And that's where, and that's where everybody's like, you got to accept who you are at all phases in your life. And you got to, you know, face the fact, I mean, some people feel, fall off the bandwagon, which I have. And so I know I need work to do again, but I'm willing to put that work in and, and, and challenge myself. And it's not just to go into a competition and be like, you know, I want to win first place. So I go to, to, you know, Mr. Olympia, that would be great. But I also know, I also have to be realistic that uh, you're competing against girls that are in their early twenties, you know, going to Mr. Olympia. So my, my chances are very slim, you know, Um, but it's just, it's just trying to prove yourself uh, is challenging yourself. And that's, that's the part that I really like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Maria, before we wrap up, we had one more announcement that we, we wanted to present you with, as you know, Ko and I run the Lao American sports hall of fame. We set it up last year and it's about recognizing athletes with whether they're Lao, Hmong, or any other ethnicity of Laos, um, really to motivate the next generation and young people and show people out there that there are role models and that they can do it. So Co wanted to uh, tell you something, Co.
1: Well, we would love to induct you into this year's Hall of Fame because your accomplishments, I mean, they're extraordinary, especially being a mother of four. I mean, you, you didn't start in your 20s, and and you know, you went through a lot of uh you know obstacles to to get that pro card, you know. So we would well, love to you're... induct you into this year's hall of fame.
0: Get oh you your, well, thank you, for, you so
2: much.
1: Get you your own wing. So
0: yeah. yeah so, so so welcome to the Hall of Fame, Maria.
2: Oh well, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you.
1: And it's very deserving. Like I said, your story is is amazing. Um, I mean, just you telling me about your childhood and just, you know, like I, I struggled too with, the, I didn't, I couldn't identify like mm-hmm. with, with who I was. And I, I got a lot of like bullying from that because, yeah. like, who am I? You know, like, why is, you know, what this group doesn't like me, that group. Of, and I, I felt it both sides from, from like, from the Laotian side and from the Caucasian side. Yeah. I, I came in 75 like you know there weren't that many of us in 75 but you know like i said that that wave came like 79 80 81 okay. and by that time i had already spoke i spoke english with no accents i, I dressed you know western and i That's you know it. talked and, and i talked different and like they the, the laotian kids that came they saw that right away and they're like you're not you know you're not to of right. us. So Why like, are you
2: too Americanized? Yeah, you know, that's, that's, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. You were early 75. Like my wife, Maria came in 81. Like you, there was a lot coming right around 80, yeah. 81, but Co, you were 75. That was, you had, you were the first really. I was along yeah. the first. Yeah. I, I, was,
1: I was like, again, it was, yeah. it was rough. Like I, I got a question, Maria. You said when you, in high school, you played a lot of sports and, was that frowned upon by your parents? Was that supported? Because I, I know Asian parents, a lot of parents are so big on education, right? Go to school, you know, get a good job, get married, blah, 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 you know, have some kids, all that. But uh, how, how did they feel about you playing volleyball, track, cheerleading, stuff like that? Did you get their support?
2: I, my parents, I, I can't say they were supportive, but they weren't like, they were supportive, but not supportive. They they never came to the games, but they were kind of <laughs> like, "If you want to do your thing, do your thing." Um, and my parents didn't have the money, so I was very fortunate enough when I was doing traveling basketball, I was able to stay with my teammates' family. I mean, they mm-hmm. would help me from one family to the next to stay with them oh. when we traveled, and I was very very grateful for that. Yeah. Um, gave me, you know, a lot of confidence to to do what I wanted to do. But yet I also knew that my parents weren't, you know, they weren't educated. They, they financially weren't able to support all the stuff that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really had a really good um, best friend in, in, in middle school and high school. And her parents took me in during high school years because my parents were living a little bit um, further away from the city at that point, And I wanted to still maintain going to the same school that I was going to. Now, my siblings, on the other hand, they all went from parochial school to the public schools after uh, junior high. I stayed in the private sector all the way up until I graduated. And so uh, they, were, they were my second family and they took me in when and my parents you know were very um were very adjusting too but at the same time they probably they didn't say no they didn't say yes but at the same time I really wanted to stay where i was and they were that they were supportive in that part where i was able to live with my second family during high school
1: I got the flat out, no, <laughs> I got, no, like stomped on, no, no way you can't do it. You're not good enough. It just looking back. It was like, I can, I, you know, it, it, it was, it was rough. Yeah. And I, felt, I felt I had so much to prove and it affected me because like when I won, it wasn't even enough. When I won, yeah. it was more like, it was more like a relief. Okay. I'm, they're not going to laugh at me this time. They're not going to yell at me this time because I won. But the second places hurt so bad because it was just wasn't like I was one spot away from winning. It was, I'm going to have to hear it when I get home that you're not good enough. You know, and, and, you know, my father's passed on. Uh, he, he tried to be as supportive as me, but my mother, we've really had a hard time. We struggled with our relationship. Really? And, you know, and, and today it's much better, right? As you get older. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I was just like, gosh why can't you just be supportive yeah that? yeah I'll, I'll do the homework I'll, I'll do my studies right but um why can't you just like you know go to one of my shows or just yeah. just yeah.
2: I always felt sad too though like you see all parents there cheering on their kids and I my parents never came to any of our, <sighs> you know yeah. so that that part was very very sad and you know, the, the part that made me really, really happy was when my mother came, um, to live with me, um, about a year and a half ago, she said, Maria, everyone in California, the loud people are talking about you. They all say that you're doing great. And da, da, da. And she said, they're, they say they're very proud of you. And, and my mother has never seen me on stage, yeah. nor my dad, but I do. Uh, it, 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 it's kind of, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to be embarrassed to be in front okay. of them and, a two-piece bikini that tiny but I do would love to have them see me at least compete once next year you know if anything happens to my father you know um and I know that they'll be my biggest supporter but it would be nice to have them there
1: yeah that, that, that's the thing with Asian or you know, Asian parents as well like they'll never compliment you to your face they'll compliment you everywhere else like to, to the community <laughs> right, to the neighborhood <laughs> And say how great you are. Like, I heard, I've heard stories of my dad telling people how proud he was. Like, proud of, yeah. Yeah. You can say it to me. Like, that's what I needed. Like, I I would have had a a lot easier road just to have heard that. Um, Yeah.
2: And I think we're different with our own children. You know, we tell them how proud we are. Totally the opposite of growing up that way. So.
1: Whatever, whatever they want to do, I I support them. And it's just like, you know, constant reminder that, you know, I, I love them
2: yeah yeah now they're
1: they're, now that they're teenagers right teenagers though now it's getting kind (laughs) of yucky like let me back off they'll love you dad you know but i do you know so yeah
2: well i have three that are adults now and then i only have one that's in high school so i've got one more left a couple years here um but yeah no matter how old they are you're still very proud of them and you know you want the best for them no matter what
1: is that you said a couple more years so is he or she driving (laughs)
2: or Not, yet. To drive.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Not yet. I, I just started well, this year with mine and he still got his permit and uh, that's that's something uh, yeah I mean you, yeah uh, I'm
2: I'm a little hesitant with that just because here in Jacksonville Florida uh, Floridians drive crazy anyways yeah. but yeah. it's it's a little bit more scarier to let them be on their own yeah uh, yeah
0: well good well Maria we're we're really happy you came on great interview um you're inspiring a lot of people out there so thanks well, a lot i for am coming.
2: i'm so sorry for just the, all the delay that i've had that, oh my, you, know, I, you know, know i'm just so, so glad
1: so well worth the wait so well worth the wait well, oh so, thank you thank you for being patient with us as well and all
2: that well i had i had a very fun um conversation with you guys thank you for this
1: all right so johnny got any final words for our audience
0: no, that's it, Maria. Thanks for coming on. Great show today. Well,
2: thank you. Bye-bye.
0: The C4 Podcast is brought to you by the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. Visit us on the web at laoAmericansports.com, Celebrating the first, inspiring the next.